Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 21, uh, we're looking at verses 29 through 26. Uh, Twelve days of Christmas hope, a partridge and a fig tree. Um, If you will find your place at Luke chapter 21, we are looking at verses 29 through 36. Um, Let's let's hear the word uh, together this morning before we dive into the message. Again, Luke chapter 21, verses 29 through 36. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all of the trees when they sprout leaves. You can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful on your hearts. Or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Twelve days of Christmas hope, a partridge and a fig tree. What are you hoping for this Christmas? What do you wish for when you get up and you go downstairs and you look under the Christmas tree? As adults, we say, well, not a whole lot because life changes and we get older and we spend so much on our kids and our children and our loved ones. If we're kids, if we have that child at heart in us, we can always hope for something. We can always wish that something will be there. But if you reflect on the, the, the message of the song, 12 Days of Christmas, I think we all can remember a day and a time in which we were found ourselves a child at heart, or a child nonetheless. Anticipating and looking forward to Christmas Eve and when we're, our heads would hit the pillow and when we would dream and, or attempt to dream so that we could hurry up and wake up and, and, and open those presents and, and dive into the toys and, and to all the hopes and dreams that might be in those packages. And then I think about, again, the song 12 Days of Christmas and the message that it portrays. It portrays an individual who was singing about their loved one, their true love, and wants to give them all of these uh, abundant, elaborate gifts. 
Well, again, as children, sometimes we have a hard time relating to 12 maid, or 11 maids of milk, and I don't even know all the words right now, 12 drummers drumming or 10 drummers drumming. You can all correct me after the sermon. Nine ladies dancing, I remember that one. Eight maids of milking, seven swans of swimming, six geese of laying. I mean, there we go. We all can't seem to relate to that, especially as children. I even have heard some versions where they've changed around some of those gifts and they're, they're more kid-friendly or they're more towards this generation or, or focused towards this generation. But the message, nonetheless, is about giving and about receiving these, these elaborate gifts. And the question for us this morning is, what are we hoping to receive? What is it that we really hope for in life? Is it centered on God's will or our own? One of my favorite Garth Brooks songs is Unanswered Prayers. The song tells a story of a man who prayed growing up that he could win the heart of his true love, his youthful love. And the two meet up years down the road and they start to reflect over what their lives would have been and, and what their lives are like now. And they start to realize, and he, and he ends up thanking God, the message of the song, he thanks God for not answering that selfish prayer of winning the heart of, of, of that young love so long ago because it would have kept him from the true blessing of his current wife and the love of his life, his children. And the question for us this morning is, what do we spend our lives praying for, hoping for, only to realize that God's plan is much better? And the question for us all is, what are we currently hoping for, praying for? Through our text this morning, we discover that hoping for the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus Christ, will keep us focused and ready to fulfill God's plan for our futures and for our lives. In chapter 21, Jesus is teaching about the coming of the end of the age, the parousia. When Jesus will return and bring hope and restore life to all who would believe. Now, if you back up in, in the first four verses of chapter 21, you'll see that we studied this text a couple of months ago. It's about the widow's offering. And from that story, some of the disciples commented on how people's offering have helped to build such an elaborate temple. In other words, they're sitting around and they're commenting on how beautiful the house of God is and how these gifts have, have come in and have been poured in to build all this. They're taking pride in the great structure. And many of us take pride in the bricks and mortar. And I'm not saying that there's not a, an element or a piece of pride that does enter the hearts of, of those who invest in, in the gifts that God would give us. But Jesus, rightfully so, corrects His disciples and should adjust our thinking by pointing out that the day is coming when none of this will matter. 
That brick and mortar will, will not be, will not exist. A day is coming when all of this will pass away. And he reminds them that this brick and mortar serves but one purpose. To advance that mission. To advance that message. It's not the other way around. It's not that our message serves to to extend that this brick and mortar, this building is going to save their their souls or to give them hope or give them salvation or, or give them some type of joy that will be everlasting. Rather, it is this building that serves to give us the opportunity to share the message that Jesus Christ in a relationship with Jesus Christ will but only give them that hope and that everlasting life and that joy. That is everlasting. Why is it that sometimes we can't seem to take our mind off of the things that are sometimes insignificant to the larger plan of God? Why is it that we allow ourselves to become so enchanted or obsessed with the the traditions and the things that might keep us from seeing the larger will of God? Well, Jesus begins to answer the disciples' question when He discusses when and how the end of the age will come. He is telling them of God's plan to reshape His people, not through a building program, but through the readiness and relationship of the coming of the kingdom of God. It brings us to verses 29-31, through which... Jesus tells them a parable of the coming of the kingdom of God. He tells them that it will be like a fig tree which sprouts leaves. And he indicates that summer is near. Now remember two weeks ago, Sarah sang a song and I preached a sermon about the seasons of the year. And we talked about the fact that summer represents, for most of us, abundance. Here in Jesus' story, it represents the same. We all should be ready and able to relate to this story. A story about a people in different parts of the world that are not so fortunate to see the changes of the season. There are some climates, whether you're in the tropics or or other parts of the world, where they seem to have only one season all year long. But here in, in the climate of North Carolina, even though it seems like sometimes we get maybe two seasons of a year, we see the effects and the changes of four. We see the changes of the leaves. We see the colors and the vibrant and elaborate arrays that, that, and, and, and picturesque scenes that are in our mountains or even in our foothills. Here in the southeast, during the late fall and even into the winter, the the leaves start to fall from the trees and and winter then turns to spring and new fruit emerges and then summer comes and everything is green once again. The sprouting of the leaves gives us hope. It reminds us of the abundance that is just around the corner. 
And what Jesus is communicating is that it is so important to be watchful, to be hopeful for the signs that reveal that summer is just around the corner. Hope for new and abundant life in Christ coming is but days away. And it causes us to reflect on what our churches would truly look like if we lived like we really believed this. And you say, well, Pastor, I believe it. I believe that Jesus could come back any day. And I've pointed out to us time and time again, we don't live like it. We store up possessions and, and we hoard and for a summer that we may not even experience. Because we live for a summer that might come here on this earth. And yet the scripture teaches us time and time again to live for the abundance, not of this earth, but for the abundance that is to come everlasting to replace what is temporary. What the parable is essentially teaching us is to take a closer look at why we make and perform some of the choices we make. God's people are supposed to be eagerly awaiting the kingdom of God and returning of a Savior. You know, it's easy to get going the same route every time we take a trip because that's the way we've always gone. Especially if you grew up in, in, in a certain area or if you grew up, growing up in the eastern part of the state, I know obviously a lot of the towns and cities around and so uh, if we're going from point A to point B in that area, I, we know the way to go. It's the way we've always gone. But... GPS technology has come along and has shown us that sometimes the way we've always gone is not the most effective route. Efficient or even the fastest. Sometimes we're taking the more scenic route. And sometimes it's good and appropriate in line to take the scenic route, but sometimes, like Jesus is teaching here in the Word, we must not get in danger of, of enjoying the scenery around us so much that we would rather spend our time on the route than to arrive at the destination of what God is hoping and calling for us to embrace. Sometimes the best route is the one we've never thought to take. At what point are we going to admit that our plan is flawed? We've been trying since the dawn of creation to get things right as a people. And sin trips us up. Story after story in the Old Testament of God's people trying to find their way back. But sin tripping their way up. The root gets a little bit too enticing and they take detours. And so God decides in the fullness of time, as Galatians teaches us, to send His Son, Jesus Christ. And the text teaches us even here, as Jesus teaches us, 
As he says in verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so we must get to a, a point and, and be in a constant state of readiness for God's will for our lives. That readiness or appropriate hope and prayer are applicable, not only in the midst of times when, when all hell seems to be breaking loose and, and everything seems to be getting harder and harder in life, but in all seasons, summer through fall, through dark winters, and into abundant, hopeful springs. Why is it that almost every movie I seem to watch or a TV show, the Allied troops or, or, or the, 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 the group that you're watching that you're pulling for, the good guys, seem to get attacked when some watchful guard is not paying attention, not anticipating that danger is just around the corner, thinking all is safe, the victory's been won. That's when we are most vulnerable. That's why I've tried to, to, try to encourage us as a people to not sit and, and think that just because we've now gotten into this building that somehow everything is going to just be greener pastures. Because it's at that point when, when the evil one pounces. It's when we think we've arrived. We think that things are safe. We think that we finally have accomplished the goal, finally won the prize, and we realize that we've only but taken a step towards what God ultimately wants for His people. God wants to give us so much more. And if we believe that, if we truly believe that He has got a much larger plan just around the corner, then we have to be prepared. We have to be on watch to make sure that our backs are not vulnerable. Jesus tells His disciples in verses 34 to be careful, to be on guard, to be watchful. To make sure that you're ready for what's coming. And if we lack the proper focus, we are in danger of what is to follow in verses 34. He says, if you'll be weighed down by dissipation, by drunkenness, by the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. You see, it's the craziness and busyness of life that seems to come in and blind us and fool us into believing that all is okay. And so it's easy to lose focus. Or for that matter, to focus on the wrong thing altogether. You see, you can have 20-20 vision and be 100% focused on the road ahead and never see what's coming. As I was going home, I guess it was about, a, I don't know, a couple months ago. It was late one night. And as I was driving, I, at the last second, I saw a deer playing chicken with me. 
he was playing. I mean, seriously, he was coming right at me. I mean, most deers come flying out from the side. That's how most of us get it. He was coming right at me. But nonetheless, even though he was coming right at me and right in front of me, there wasn't much I could do because I wasn't ready. I was tired. It had been a long drive. Sometimes in life we get tired. Sometimes in life the road seems so long and we finally feel like we can take a break. We finally feel like we can sit back and relax. And that's when there's a deer in the headlights. You see, that's when it's too late to react. You can have a camera in perfect focus on the sun in front of you, trying to catch a beautiful sunset. But have you ever taken the chance to look back and see the beautiful colors that the sun makes on the landscape behind you? The point is, is that you can have all the hope and anticipation you can imagine. But if it's focused incorrectly, if it's not focused on God's will and His revelation, you'll be in danger of missing... the opportunity to stand before the Son of Man and declare, I did your will. Many of us can get all riled up over things that sometimes matter little. And it's not that we lack focus, it's just that we have our eyes on the wrong prize. And what verse 34 is pointing out is that this dissipation, this drunkenness will deaden the senses, the anxiety, the concentration on the cares of this life, the cares of food, clothing, financial security, status, rising up the corporate ladder, etc. It can take the mind or heart off the concerns of God's kingdom. And when we fail to be willing to pray, not my will, but thine, we lack the proper focus to see what we should truly be hoping for. So what are we looking for? What are we hoping for this Christmas? What kind of hope are we anticipating what kind of Christmas are we going to have in our hearts? Not just this season, but all seasons of life. Are we busy trying to discover the next big plan for success in this life? Or are we focused on God's heavenly plan and allowing it to guide our choices and decisions here in life? The Word tells us to be always on watch and to pray. Pray that sometimes God will answer not our prayers, but His. Pray that He will give you the desires of His heart and teach you to hope for unanswered prayers. For His will and not our own. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we reflect on the hope of Christmas, the hope that Jesus brings into a world, a world that is in, is in need of hope, in need of a victory, 
because sometimes we just seem as though defeat is around every corner. And then there are those, those moments in which we have a little taste of victory and we begin to fool ourselves into believing that that is enough, that that can sustain us. But what the message of the gospel is constantly teaching is that those moments in which we encounter heaven on earth, those moments in which we encounter truly the Holy Spirit in our presence and Jesus guiding us and lead us, those are the moments that we are to anticipate more and more. Sometimes we have to get off the same old route in order to discover a whole new plan. And then, Lord, we are challenged to reflect that in those moments in which we believe we are experiencing an abundant summer, we are to be reminded that fall and winter are just around the corner. To be watchful, to be careful. To be careful that, that, that the enemy and that the anxieties of his life, the drunkenness, the temptations, the temptations to follow our own will, to be selfish, to be consumed by the things of this world. They're all around every corner, just around the bend. Help us to remain steadfast. Help us to be encouraged by the word that you teach us this morning. Help us to be prepared for all that you desire for, for our lives and for the lives of our, the life of our church. As we pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.